Hello everyone, welcome back to my solo road. My name is Sydney. This is my podcast. I hope you all are staying safe and healthy and sane. I'm definitely safe and healthy, but I'm starting to go a little crazy as I'm sure we all feel. I waited until 10 p.m. to do this episode and I have like four or five dogs in my van right now, one of whom is Stella, uh, Lee's pit bull, and she is snoring ferociously behind me. I think she also featured in one of my past episodes. Pearl, yep, jump down right as we start. There we go. Perfect. But yeah, anyways, I hope that you guys are saying safe and healthy and you're still isolating wherever you chose to be. I'm still in the desert, still quarantined with the same group of people, one of whom is Lee. We will get into that. I asked for this week to send in questions for a Q&A. So that's what we're going to do today. And like half of them were about Lee and our situation and being quarantined together and all of that stuff. So I'll talk a little bit about that. He's also going to be on the podcast next week, just so we can kind of go over how we've both been handling that. But yeah, so I don't really have much to intro on this one besides the fact that everything is just the same. <laughs> like I'm, the creativity is starting to go down a little. The excitement, I, you know, me and my friends that are here are still having a great time. Everyone's getting along and everything is awesome. It was Henry's birthday yesterday from when I'm filming this. And we all had like a really, really nice family dinner situation for his birthday. And that was really cool. So everything's good in that area. But just in terms of like traveling or moving, you know, those kinds of things really spark a lot of inspiration for me. And so not moving right now for such a long period of time is, it definitely just starts to feel a little stagnant, I guess would be the word. So yeah, but other than that, it's it's kind of nice to be calm for a little while, to not really spend any money for a while. It wasn't until all of this stuff happened that I realized the exorbitant amount of money that I was spending in San Diego, because it's just so easy there to like buy breakfast and buy this and buy these amazing vegan foods that you can't really get anywhere else. When I was getting like two iced milk lattes a day, I developed a serious obsession with them. And now that I'm just kind of sitting in the desert, I'm spending virtually nothing, which is phenomenal. I also am going to plug the Facebook group just so I don't bring it up again. I recently started one specifically for earning a remote income. I also have a podcast episode from last week with my friend Bree where we talk about that as well. But the Facebook group has been insane. Anytime I start a new project, it happened with the podcast and then uh, recently with this Facebook group. When I start it, I feel like it could flop or, you know, I I just don't really know if there's going to be success in it. I've never started a Facebook group before. I don't even really know that much about them. I had to kind of research it before starting it. But like immediately, so many people are posting. We're almost at a thousand members. And I mean, every single day, there's tons of people posting different remote income jobs, what they do and what, you know, what kind of work they're looking for, or just introducing themselves and telling their story if they live in a van or if they don't. Yeah, it's just been really cool in a very new way for me to get to know a lot of you. So if you are interested, please go ahead and check that out. It's just called Earning a Remote Income Van Life. If you follow me, Divine on the Road, on Facebook, then you should be able to look at it through my groups. Anyways, that is that. So we're going to do, like I said, a Q&A today. So I had everybody on Instagram send in questions. And I'm just going to kind of do like a rapid fire Knowing me, though, I'll still give like a very long explanation for everything. But um, I just want to answer a bunch of your questions that you've been wondering or that you just want to know about me or being in the van and the dogs and stuff like that. So grab your drink and we will be right back to answer your questions. 
Okay, I am ready. Hopefully you are as well. Before we get started, I am going to tell you a little bit about our favorite platform in the world, BetterHelp. So instead of even going over any talking points or saying the same things that I've been talking about, I've had a very pleasant experience with BetterHelp. However, all of my friends at this campsite have actually signed up while we've been here. You know, like I said earlier, with the kind of just sitting in one place, we've all had time to do things that we've been wanting to do for a while. Mental health checks being one of them. So one of my friends here went to sign up and the price that was given was a little bit higher than what they could afford, even though it's also already pretty affordable. But this particular person lost a fair amount of income because of everything going on. And so they emailed BetterHelp to see if there was anything that they could do. And this is the email that BetterHelp sent back. And I'm just so impressed. Like this is a firsthand experience with this company from someone that is not like affiliated or sponsored by them in any way. So they emailed BetterHelp saying, is there anything that we can do? Applied for financial aid and BetterHelp said, thank you for your patience. We're so sorry to hear about this. We understand that in the midst of a global pandemic, prime prime concerns like health and finances take top priority. We also hope that your mental health is supported during this time and therefore I will provide a 40% off with financial aid. This is on top of the discount, by the way, that uh, you would receive by using my code. And this discount will be active for three months. As a global community, we hope that in this time of working together by staying apart, your online BetterHelp counselor can provide a safe space to process this extreme disruption to our everyday lives. And then it's signed by like an actual person, not just BetterHelp. But I was so impressed with that because they do pride themselves on affordability quite a bit. But I, other than knowing of my own discount or my own discount code, I wasn't really sure what they do for people um, in that kind of situation. So it was really cool for my good friend to be able to get mental health care that they need and to be working with a platform that would work with them in that way. It just feels very special. So if you would like to sign up for BetterHelp, by the way, it is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, not BetterHealth. So it is BetterHelp.com slash divine, and that will give you 10% off of your counseling. And like I said, I've had a very positive experience. I meet with my counselor once a week, and I love her. It's 100% made a big difference in my life. So now let's go ahead and move on. I, I should do an entire episode about BetterHelp because I do talk about them for far longer than they ask me to. So first question is by RileyDawn01. And this person asked, do you plan on having kids one day? Would you want to raise them with a traveling lifestyle? The reason I chose this question in particular is because it wasn't until very recently that I kind of admitted to myself that I might want kids in the future. My whole life, it was kind of like written off, not for me. I want to just want to be the cool aunt. Yeah, just didn't see myself having kids at all. But very, very recently, like the last couple months, the more I've thought about it, and maybe it's because I've been just sitting in one place and had plenty of time to think. I, I, I know you can hear Stella just like snoring her ass off behind me. But it wasn't until really recently that I kind of considered myself being able to. I know I've talked about it before, but I never thought of myself as a maternal person at all. Like I'm the baby of the family. My sister was always kind of the maternal one. I was always viewed as like the wild child young one who was going to give my parents a heart attack or something. And that's just kind of, I I wasn't taken as seriously when it came to stuff like that. And so I kind of 
really put that into my own mindset and that like it just evolved into me not wanting kids. Uh, and then recently I, I don't know, kind of revisited the idea and I think it would be nice. And if I do have kids, to answer your second part of the question, I would definitely raise them with a traveling lifestyle more for the reason that like I will never not have a tra- traveling lifestyle. Not to say that I'll always live in a van, but I will never not be traveling and therefore my child would just be traveling as well. But I also think it is so, so important to raise a kid with different cultures and different traditions so that they understand that where they might come from, like what state we live in at that time, that that's not how the entire world is. Because I didn't really leave the Midwest much at all as a kid myself. And so it was kind of this crazy culture shock when I moved to Chicago because I didn't realize how different people were. Like I just didn't even, I didn't fathom the diversity of the world at all, which sounds ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I I was fairly sheltered. And uh, yeah, so I would 100% want my kid to be exposed to many things at a young age. Second question, Mrs. Z-U-N-I-G-A-89. I'm not going to say that right. How do you deal with being so far away from your family? I mean, I wish that I could give like, my parents listen to this and I love you both so deeply. I love my sister, my nephew, my brother-in-law. But Frankly, it was never that hard for me to leave. I wish I could sit here and tell you that every day, you know, I wake up with them on my mind and I just miss them so much. And although I miss them, we FaceTime frequently. We talk on the phone every single day. I FaceTime my nephew constantly. And there are certainly days that I miss them, but I longed to leave my home from a very young age. So, you know, from when I was probably seven or eight, I got the idea of moving to New York and then as I went through high school, Chicago just kind of became more accessible because it was in the Midwest. So I wouldn't have to be as far. But yeah, it just, that was an easy transition for me. Although it was like culture shock, I think being away from my family was not that difficult. And then I've, I've really traveled and been pretty permanently away from home since then. I went home a couple months during my van build, but that was it. And I do typically visit my family in Indiana every three or four months. But because of all of this stuff going on and all these different plans changing and stuff, I probably won't go home until October, which will be 10 months, which is way longer than I've ever done. And that will probably get a little bit uncomfortable, but hopefully my family can fly out here and I can somehow see them before that happens. But yeah, I wish that it was harder for me because sometimes it makes me feel like on a real note, like a little cold-hearted in a way, but this is kind of just always how I've been, so I'd rather be honest about it. And then Kim, I can't read these names, honestly. I said I was going to read the names, but I can't pronounce any of these, and I just don't want to butcher them. I know how it feels for nobody to ever say your last name correctly. By the way, my last name is Furbrash. That is how it's pronounced. Um, I feel like if you've only known me online, then you probably have never heard me say my name. So I would love to know your insight on relationships and finding a partner on the road. It's really not that different than finding a partner in one place. When you get involved in the van life community, you meet a lot of people who are also living in vans. And that's not to say that you need social media or anything like that. I'm talking gatherings, festivals, pulling up to a beach where there's just a bunch of vans on the West Coast. And then obviously social media does help, but there are so many different communities. There's, I just joined like 20 Facebook groups specifically for van life and van dwellers. And uh, yeah, you just, it's really easy to connect with people. I think if you've never done it, which is perfectly understandable, you wouldn't know 
how easy it is to find people doing the same thing. And if you ever are living in a van and you feel like you cannot connect, obviously, please send me a DM. We will be friends and we can talk. But it was it's always been... Yeah, it's been easy to meet people that also, you know, to piggyback on that though, I don't like date much. I don't date around. Lee and I just ended our relationship not very long ago, so I haven't been interested in that department. And even before Lee, I literally did not go on a date or date anyone in any capacity in between my ex that I lived in my first van with all the way to Lee. And that was about a year uh, in between. And I just... I've never really been one. I don't like first dates. I'm a little awkward and yeah, it's just not enjoyable for me. So I'd rather meet someone really organically, develop a friendship with them and then kind of progress that way. So yeah, that's it's pretty easy to meet people on the road. Uh, next question. How do you deal with the responsibility you have for the dogs emotionally, i.e. illnesses and injuries and stuff? I, I mean, I deal with it I deal with it the way that I feel like a mother would. Like, that sounds so silly. But, like, Ella really has taught me how maternal I I am and I can be in a, you know, a 911 situation when it comes to the dogs. I do not panic. I do not, you know, freak out. I always have stayed very calm, very cool and collected. It just, it comes in those moments. I really do feel a natural rush of instinct and need to fix the problem. I don't feel the need to add to any chaos. I am, my immediate instinct is how are we going to fix this problem? And like when it came to her surgery and everything like that, although I was, you know, devastated and I was crying, I just did every second what I thought would be best for her to get her out of that situation. And so, I mean, I do, I think I deal with the responsibility pretty well. And I think it just takes keeping a level head about things and not allowing your negative anxiety thoughts to creep in and convince you of anything. Because I'm also a big believer in like, which is probably just a form of denial, but like, I won't allow myself to believe that the worst case is going to happen until I'm told that that is literally what is happening. And I think having that barrier is also something that allows me to act in the way that I do, like act responsibly and stay calm and everything in those types of situations. I think if you allow your mind to just go to the worst possible places, then obviously your anxiety is going to go up and you're going to be stressed and you may not take care of the situation the best way possible. So my advice would be to stay calm to the best of your abilities. I've also been lucky. I haven't dealt with a ton of big issues with the dogs. There's definitely been a couple scary things, but may I could count them on one hand easily. Irish Caravan asks, what do you do on days when the road lifestyle feels exhausting? Easy answer, I stay in that one spot. I can honestly say the road lifestyle does not ever feel exhausting to me, but there are days where I'm tired of having to move constantly and like, where am I going to park? Where am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Where am I going to walk the dogs today? If you're in a city, it's like you're on this constant quest of finding dog parks or fields where they can run and places to sleep and places to get a coffee or to go work. And that part of living on the road definitely does get pretty exhausting. And so I would just either go find BLM and park on public land for a while so that I can stay put and calm down and kind of get back into a normalcy or just kind of a more relaxed state. But if I'm staying in a city, then I will try to develop some sort of routine and not veer away from that routine much for a week or so until that feeling goes away. Because it definitely occurs sometimes. 
Abigail Ryan asks, what happened to my first fan? So I, if you don't know, I lived in a sprinter with my ex-boyfriend for about nine months, a couple years ago. And I've been in my current van for two years. So this was the nine months before that. And when we broke up, it was obviously a fairly heated conversation. And kind of in the midst of that conversation, I just told him he could have the van. And so he got the van. (laughs) So that's literally what happened. He did not pay me for that, which there's absolutely no hard feelings whatsoever. I told him he could have it. To be perfectly honest, I did tell him he could have it with the hopes of him to continue traveling in it. And then he ended up selling it. And funny story, I was pulling into this BLM a month ago or whenever we got here and a girl starts waving me down kind of. And I wasn't really paying close attention. So I kept driving and then it didn't really register until a second later that she was waving me down. And then she DM'd me on Instagram and was like, hey, I think I just saw you. I recognize the dog hanging out of the window. I live in your old van. <laughs> and so I actually saw the girl who is living in the van that I had a couple years ago that my ex-boyfriend sold the van to. So fun facts. Emily Soar, sir, I'm definitely saying that wrong. Books, 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 recent reads, favorites, not so favorites. I'm only going to give one recommendation because I feel like I've I've been giving so many lately and I'm going to eventually just run out of books because I can't read that fast. I am currently rereading my all-time favorite book, which I just posted on Instagram as well. It's called The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. I may have already recommended it on the podcast. I can't remember. But anytime I am lacking in creativity, which I said earlier, or I don't feel like I am making as much growth at that time as I'd like to be, I always resort back to this book. Like Shonda Rhimes, if you don't know, is the creator of Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, I'm a way bigger fan of personally. And I just think the writing in that show is phenomenal. And so I did a lot of like research and kind of became obsessed with Shonda Rhimes. And then she wrote this book, Year of Yes. And it is so funny. It's so conversational. My friend Brie, who's on the podcast last week, is currently reading it on the Kindle right now. And she keeps telling me how hard it is for her to stop listening to it because it's so funny, but it's so valuable. Like everything she talks about, it's so applicable to your daily life. Um, And it's all about like her life. So you kind of get to know her, but then you also get to apply all of the stuff she talks about to your own life. And it's just really cool. It's a phenomenal book. It's my all-time favorite. Next one. What is one dream you have yet to accomplish? I chose this one because I really am trying to put these two things out in the universe for us someday. They will happen. Um, They're definitely goals, but I don't have a timeline connected to them yet. I would like to write a book. I am dying to write a book about my experiences on the road and give a much more emotional type, I don't know, like writing style kind of thing in terms of just like not writing about what kind of van I live in and the mechanics of it and how much I spent on the build and like these things that I get asked every day and I answer every day. But I would really love to pour my heart into a book and talk about what my life has really been like on the road and the realities of this lifestyle and just the ways that it's changed my life. So I would really love to write a book. And then secondly, I really want to get a master's degree, not for any particular reason, besides the fact that I really want to go back to school. And I do already have a bachelor's and I I am obsessed with business. I'm obsessed with entrepreneurship and people that have that mindset. I love learning from them. I consider myself a student in all aspects 
forever. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be technically an expert at anything. And yeah, I just have a passion for learning. So I would love to go back to school and get my master's degree and see, see what I can do with that and get back in a classroom. How did you gain your parents' support? I've never lost my parents' support. I will say that. I've had my parents' support since the day I was born. And I... I very much know and understand how much of a privilege and how lucky I am to have their support in everything that I've ever done. Like they will give me advice and tell me if they don't think something is smart. And when I originally went to them with living in a van, they were obviously skeptical and more or less just confused. They're like, what is this? We've never heard of this weird thing. What do you mean you're going to be homeless? Like that's kind of what people think of it as first. Like your parents or, you know, guardians of any kind raise you to be so successful in any way possible. And my parents really, my whole childhood, they, in their own heads, were setting me up for what they thought success would look like for me. And not to say that they were going to choose my job category, but living in a van, working on social media and websites and online just wasn't even in the realm of what they expected. So when you go to you, your guardians and you say, I'm going to go live in a van, I have no real income plan yet, but this is what I think I'm going to do and I'm going to try to make it work. It's just my parents were very receptive to it, although they were confused at first. It was a very quick turnaround. As soon as I answered all of their questions, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, when you are talking to people about it before it's happening and they don't understand, you have to have done your research first. You don't go to someone and that you're worried about what their opinion will be about it and say, well, I have no idea how I'm going to make money. I have no idea how expensive it's going to be. I have no idea what van I want to live in or if I'm going to have my dogs in the van or how long I'm going to do it for or literally anything. You can't go to anyone with this like clueless attitude because it, it is respectfully immature to do that. And so I went to my parents as maturely as I could. So every time they would ask me a question, I had an answer for them. And I told them, this is what my plan is. If all else fails, at the very least, I knew I, I can sell my van and get my money back and then figure out what my next steps will be. And that was kind of my fallback plan. And I think going to them with so much information, telling them to follow these certain accounts and look at these photos, like this is what I'm doing. I'm not just living in a van. I'm, I'm going to build a home in one so I can do what I'm most passionate about. And so yeah, they jumped on the boat real quick. And especially now that I'm doing everything I'm doing, I have their undying support. Like my dad listens to every episode of the podcast. He is in my Facebook group. He's the most active member in it. And yeah, it just love them. Love having their support. But if I had to say, how did I gain their support? My easy answer is I never lost it. Cheryl Alexandra asks, what is Ella's favorite thing to do? And what is Pearl's favorite thing to do? Ella's favorite thing to do is swim with no questions asked. She loves running, hiking, um, like I've been taking Lee's bike out a lot and I, yeah, I like whenever I'm biking or jogging or doing something like that, she loves running side by side with me. And so as long as she's doing something active, she's so happy. Unfortunately, it's getting pretty hot in the desert. So I can only do those things with her either first thing in the morning or kind of once the sun is setting and it's getting a little bit cooler and there's no water here. But her number one favorite thing is swimming. She does not need like if you can throw a tennis ball and she'll go get it in the water and stuff. 
But if you don't have a toy, she will literally just go out into the water. People always think this is so funny when they see it, but she'll just go jump in the water and like swim laps. Like she's not going towards anything. She's not doing anything. She is literally just swimming around aimlessly for as long as possible. And I love that she loves swimming because I love swimming. And then Pearl... Pearl's favorite thing is anything to do with being in my arms. <laughs> she wants to be in my arms at all times. She's in my lap right now and she just wants to be close to me all the time. It's adorable, obviously, and it warms my heart, but it also is pretty sad because there's a reason that she's that way. Like, there's a reason that she so badly wants to feel safe and I can feel that from her when she, she gets very scared easily and then she runs to me as fast as possible and... There's just some things in her personality and traits that she has that, you know, it's cute because she's coming to me and she finds me to be her safe place, but it's also kind of sad because something had to have happened for her to be so scared and need a safe place so badly. Like, Ella does not need that. Ella knows that she's safe with me, but she approaches anyone as if they're there to be her best friend. And Pearl doesn't really approach anyone unless I kind of have to touch that other person or talk with them first in order for her to approach them literally at all. Otherwise, she kind of barks or like cowers or does something like that. Same person asked, what is your favorite snack to make in the van? My favorite treat yourself meal. Without question, it is a Morningstar buffalo chicken sandwich. They have, they come in these frozen patties. You can go into like your frozen vegetable aisle at a grocery store and wherever they have like a section of vegan meals, they almost always, I haven't been to a grocery store in a very long time that does not have these. You'll see like green bags and they're Morningstar, that's the brand, and they have these buffalo chicken patties. And you put that on like a hamburger bun, toast the bun, lettuce, tomato, some ranch, Cholula, um, I'm, I'm probably forgetting something, a little avocado, some vegan cheese, something like that. It is, I, I mean, I wake up every morning just waiting for an acceptable time to eat one of these sandwiches. I eat one every day because I cannot get enough of them. And like right now, I'm, like I'm doing that thing where because we're isolating, I convince myself every day that I can treat myself and that I don't have to eat super healthy. And so every day I like crack my eyes open at seven in the morning and I'm like, okay, what's going to be an acceptable time so that I can start eating a buffalo chicken sandwich because they are my favorite. And then next up, Mrs. H63, do you get lonely and how do you overcome it? First of all, I have an entire podcast on this subject, but I am not a lonely person. I'm just alone. Like, I love being alone. I love traveling alone. I love exploring the world alone and, like, with my dogs. Although, yeah, like, so technically I'm never alone. But in terms of people, I can be alone for a substantial amount of time and not feel lonely. If I do feel like I need connection, I will go to a city or find somebody on social media to hang out with or go to a gathering. It's pretty easy to, like I said earlier, you know, go into one of these Facebook groups or go onto Instagram, do anything and just find people to connect with. If you are on the West Coast, literally pull up into any beach, open up your sliding door, work in the doorway or something so some, like they can see that you're in there and people will come up to your van. Other vans will pull up that like you will meet friends. It's a 10 out of 10 will happen. And yeah, that's what I do if I do feel like I need connection, but I don't really care for the word lonely 
because people always assume if you're alone that you'd feel lonely. And I just don't think that those two things coincide at all. Okay, so like I said earlier, half of the questions that I got were about quarantining with Lee. If it was weird for me, people were asking like, is it so strange that you'd have to be quarantining with him, X, Y, Z. And I want to be very clear that it is a choice. Like, we chose to be quarantined together. We are very, very good friends. We left on cordial notes. Like, you know, we did kind of the typical breakup thing where you separate, you don't talk frequently for a while. At this point, it's been a couple months. And we already had plans of seeing each other or hanging out. And then all of this stuff happened and he really... He's very protective, the same way that my father is, and he didn't really want me to be alone during this whole quarantine thing. This was before I knew that Katie or Bree or, you know, any of our other friends would be able to join us literally the same day. But he was just kind of like, I would be a lot more comfortable knowing that you're good and that you're taken care of. And yeah, I want to be there with you for that. So I didn't even hesitate. I, I told him where I was and that if he wanted to join me, he was welcome to be here. So we've been in the same area for a month. Yeah, I mean, pretty much since I think I got here a couple days before everybody, but he got here right with all of my other friends and it's been perfectly fine. We hang out. I mean, obviously, like he's parked directly in front of me. We hang out every single day and it was a really special choice that he made to come down here because that's when uh, Cece passed away. I know a few of you might know about this, but we got a dog together when we were still obviously in the relationship and her name is Cece. We got her the same day that we got Pearl and she was 14 when we got her. She was 15 a week and a half ago when she passed. And yeah, I mean, she just, she stayed with Lee off after the breakup. I kept Pearl. He kept Cece. Uh, frankly, Cece was much closer to him and Pearl was just much closer to me. That's how we made that decision. And she was getting really old. And the last couple days that she was with us, it was just really, really difficult to watch. And it was really difficult to be a part of because I put my childhood dog down like several years ago. And it was just a much different experience. Like he was sick, but he wasn't like, I didn't have to, this is kind of morbid. And if you're sensitive to this topic, I really am sorry, maybe fast forward a little bit, but I didn't have to watch him go. Like I didn't have to watch him struggle breathing and it, it wasn't so clear that he was extremely uncomfortable and all of these things that like w- with Cece, that was the first time I was experiencing something like that where I we were quite literally watching her die. And it was amazing to be a part of because I would want to be there for that. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm going way off topic here, but it was a special thing that we got her together and we were able to be together to help her pass and for me to be able to be there for Lee because I like he did need support during that time and the my, our friends here have just been amazing to help him with that as well and so yeah I'm I'm really happy that we're doing all of this together I think things happen for a reason and I think CC passing while we were together and you know us making the choice to to quarantine together and all of that whatever I think all of that happened for a reason and I think it was uh, it's just a very special experience okay okay Heather Ulrich says, if van life wasn't an option, where do you think you'd be living and doing what? I would probably be living on the West Coast somewhere. My favorite place in the world is Wyoming, but I wouldn't have discovered it if it wasn't for van life. So I probably would have just assumed that I'd love California, probably move out to California, probably San Diego, 
because I, I do love San Diego and I always knew I would like San Diego. Doing what is a great question. <laughs> I have no idea what I would be doing. Probably working for some type of company doing something. I mean, I got out of college. I worked at the restaurant. Those two things kind of ended at the same time. And then I've really been doing this ever since. Somebody else asked, like, I don't remember where it is, but basically when I left on the road, what was going to be my income or did I always know that it would be what, uh, social media and what my website stuff? I had no idea what I was going to be doing when I first left. I wanted to do social media. I wanted to have my website, but you don't ever really know if any of that's going to be successful. It is surely not guaranteed. So I was living off of my savings for a while. And then once my savings started to run low, I was making enough money from my website. I didn't start monetizing my Instagram at all until this year. So, you know, for the first year and a half that I was on the road, I was solely living off of my website, which is amazing and phenomenal. And I worked extraordinarily hard to be able to do that. Sorry, I'm trying to get some lighthearted questions now because that CC story is sad. Laura Marcella says, where do you poop if you don't do it in your porta potty? So typically I go in like a gas station or a Starbucks or somewhere public, or I do go in my porta potty, but they have like, you can buy on Amazon like these like poop bags where it kind of I don't know. It does a whole thing. Okay. I'm not going to go into detail, but you can look those up on Amazon. But right now, because we are in the desert and we don't really go to the, into town hardly ever, we are digging holes in the desert. (laughs) I know it's super classy if you've never done it, but it's actually kind of phenomenal. And if you haven't done it and you're ever camping, 10 out of 10, I highly recommend. Basically, you have to dig a hole a minimum of six inches because we have so many dogs, and I know this is disgusting, but uh, dogs like it. So we are digging like a foot deep just to make sure that we don't have any of those problems. So we walk like a good half a mile away, dig a foot deep, and we all kind of go in different directions so that we're not like doing it in one area. And yeah, you just kind of get a shovel, get some toilet paper, and go do your thing. Do you ever experience sexism as a solo traveler? Would you mind explaining or elaborating? I love this question because it is something... uh, I actually think I did address it in the podcast with Katie, the first one, but I learned so much from other women on the road because I never viewed this as sexism. I never viewed it as even a problem because when someone says something to my face, frankly, like, I'm just kind of like, (laughs) okay, thank you, bye. So... When I get out of my van frequently, like I kind of, I've been in this van for two years at a sprinter before that. I can whip this thing into any parking space easily. And I've done that so many times and, you know, I'll jump out and somebody will make a comment, you know, oh, wow, for such a small girl, you can really park that thing, huh? You you have experience. These big vehicles are like some, I don't even know, that didn't make sense, but like some shit like that. Or... I'll jump out and a guy standing at the gas station will be like, you're a pretty small girl for such a big van. And it's just like gross. And, you know, usually when they say that, I'm just kind of, like I said, I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, and I just move along because I don't want the confrontation. But you do internalize that when you've heard it 200 times by so many men being like, are you sure you're not afraid to be living in that van all by yourself? And I don't think that people realize when you ask a solo woman that so many times, hundreds of times, I do start to, and I know other women do as well, internalize that feeling of 
well, I felt safe a few minutes ago and now I'm questioning that. And I've never had a particular instance where I felt unsafe. But when so many people are telling you, you're just like this little girl in such a big van, it's like, it doesn't affect you for a long time, but then you can internalize that and then have separate thoughts later that day, later that week, later that month about safety and feeling a little bit more concerned. And it can just change your overall perspective on being safe and being alone and just being a lot more aware of the fact that you are alone and potentially in danger. And like nobody just needs that type of fear in their life. So if you ever see a girl get out of a van, just give her a thumbs up, you know, no need for a weird comment. Somebody asked, plan where to sleep tomorrow and so on, or get on the road and see that later. I don't really know what that means. I'm guessing that you're asking where I sleep. I have an entire episode on overnight parking. Go listen to that one. I basically always know where I'm sleeping. I do not like driving, having no idea where I'm going to go that night. Usually every morning with my breakfast and coffee, while on the road, obviously not right now, I will look up like where I'm going to go. If I'm going to a different town or something, that's where I'll, you know, I'll kind of look up that area or BLM and see where I'm going to be sleeping that night, find a good place with good reviews and photos. And if I'm in a city, like I said in the other podcast, which now you don't even have to go listen to, but you still should, I typically choose hotels because those are safe and very quiet and I never get in trouble. So it's kind of my go-to. Which Golden Girl do you most identify with? (laughs) I haven't watched Golden Girls in a very long time. I would, I think her name is Rose. Is it Rose? Like the extremely forgetful, kind of like silly, a kind of an airhead type woman. I think that would be me. I'm definitely not Blanche. She's extremely extroverted. That ain't me. And Dorothy is way stricter and kind of like, she cares about things a lot more than I do. Like she's a very particular type person. I am not. I'm a little, I can be a little like ditzy. I hate that word. Actually, I'm insulting myself. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm very forgetful. I'm smart, but I'm forgetful, okay? I need to know how your hair is so luscious. (laughs) It looks shiny and healthy. Thank you. So I have extraordinarily sensitive skin, so I can only use one hair product, and that is Biolage. Somebody go message me about the chemicals that are in this shampoo. I'm sorry. I do not care. I I have tried every natural product, every not natural product, and they always break me out in hives down my neck and around my scalp and stuff like that. Biolage is the only shampoo I can put on my head and not break out in hives. I also only wash my hair like twice a week. I do not think anybody should be washing their hair every single day. I can dry shampoo it if I need to. I use Batiste dry shampoo. I think you can get it literally anywhere. And that stuff works really well. Do your dry shampoo at night. Pro tip. Just do it at night. Don't even rub it in. Just sleep on it and you're going to wake up looking perfect and showered even if, even if you're not. Was it hard to part with all of your belongings when transitioning to van life? No. I felt very cluttered already. I didn't need all of the things. I mean, I was a college student, so although it was a fully furnished apartment, it was like the cheapest possible, like Goodwill, Ikea, which no shame, love Ikea, also love Goodwill. But it wasn't, I just didn't have a lot of stuff, like expensive stuff. And so it was really easy for me just to get rid of all of the clothes that I wasn't wearing already, all the furniture I wouldn't need anymore. And it, it feels, it, it might be a little nerve wracking at first, but 
it's so freeing. It's very calming. Like you finally don't have all this crap laying around. Um, even when my van starts to get a little bit just kind of like cluttered and I get stuff in here that I don't need or use, I start to get a little bit anxious and I will do like a massive drop off at Goodwill or, you know, donate it somewhere because I hate having too much stuff. It just doesn't feel good anymore. I feel no need to clutter my space and therefore put myself in kind of a a worse mindset because those two things are very much connected for me. And yeah, I have no interest in that. So easy transition for me. Were Ella and Pearl best friends or did it take a while for them to warm up to each other? They are still not best friends. They don't dislike each other. Pearl gets pretty growly with all the other dogs sometimes. Like if they are really intrusive or rowdy around her, she does not like it. But I will say like she's gotten a lot better around Ella. Ella can be really rowdy. I think Pearl knows like Ella is in our family. So she doesn't get like she doesn't growl at her. She doesn't get uh, weird or scared or anything around her. But Ella is a not even two-year-old golden retriever at 55 pounds and Pearl is a four and a half pound seven-year-old chihuahua. So they're just on complete opposite spectrums of dog and I don't find there to be any reason to make them be best friends. Doesn't affect me at all. As long as they can coexist, which they do perfectly fine, that I'm perfect. I'm, I'm happy with that. I don't, I don't think that you need to force your pets to be obsessed with each other. It doesn't bother me at all that they don't like they don't play. They cuddle sometimes and every time they do it I, it shatters my heart into pieces, but I mean I've never seen them play once. I've seen Pearl play I could count it on one hand the amount of times I've ever seen Pearl play at all. And usually it is with Lee's dog Penny because they're the exact same size. Okay, before reading the next question, which is about my sexuality, which is actually going to be interesting and I think surprising, and I also can't believe I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about, but first, I'm going to share with you a little thing called Skylight Frame. So, I talked about them last week. I also just received mine, so last week I had ordered it. This week I have received it. I have set it up. Essentially, what Skylight is, is basically, also, this is an ad, full disclosure, but it is basically a photo frame. It's a digital photo frame. It does have to be connected to Wi-Fi, but it comes with a unique email address. You can give that unique email address to anyone, and then all of those people with that email address can just email photos as they take them. So, it is the perfect Mother's Day gift. I'm going to be gifting my mother one as well. And so, you can just send it to your mom or whoever, and they can hook it up to the Wi-Fi. Everybody in the family gets the email address, and then every time you take photos for birthdays, holidays, random days, like my nephew is growing up right now. And so, you know, we send in the group text, in my family's group text, constantly just photos of my nephew. So, in like, we can all just send my mom's skylight these photos and then it updates automatically and she can just come downstairs for her morning coffee or whatever and see that there's a whole new batch of photos going on the frame. Kind of cool, kind of love it. Definitely a good way to connect with your family. And if you're forgetful like me and probably will like take a million photos but always forget to send them, this is kind of a, we'll send them in text. It's kind of a perfect way to just like send them. She like immediately has them on a picture frame and you're kind of, you're just good to go. So 
you can get $10 off for a holiday offer for Mother's Day using the code, or I'm sorry, typing in skylightframe.com slash solo, and then enter in the code solo. So to get $10 off of your purchase of a skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash solo and enter the code solo. Also very excited to be giving that to my mom because I'm kind of the worst at gift giving. So now I know you're wondering uh, the whole sexuality part. Someone asked, are you bisexual? Have you ever had a girlfriend or a girl crush? So I do not consider myself bisexual. I definitely consider myself heterosexual. Now that I'm an adult, I have a, you know, better comprehension on what it means, what it feels like. But the interesting story that I've never shared and truthfully never thought I would share is that if you do listen to the podcast regularly, when I was in high school, I had this horrible boyfriend, and some of you already know this. He was the guy that pantsed me, set off that whole insecurity for the rest of my life. And I had just gotten out of this really, like, mentally abusive relationship. And he was just a horrible first example of what love could be like outside of just my family. And it was just really, really awful. So fast forward, you know, we kind of are off and on, off and on. We ended up breaking up yet again. And this girl in North Carolina messages me on Instagram and is like being very flirty. And I had no idea what to do or what was going on. And I'm also like 17 years old. I've never even considered being with a female. It like, it didn't even cross my mind that it was even kind of a possibility. And so naturally I was very curious and I just began talking to her as like a friend but she was always slightly flirty. Like I already knew that she was a lesbian. And so we kind of evolved into being pretty flirtatious. And then we full-blown like evolved into dating and being in a relationship, even though we were literally states apart and never saw each other. I did go to North Carolina once and we saw each other for like a week and god bless my parents they were so supportive of it they were like you know what you need to go figure yourself out and you know get in the car i brought like two of my friends we treated it kind of like a spring break vacation and me and a couple friends literally got into my honda accord and drove to north carolina so that i could meet this girl who i was dating um and it was my first experience ever having any type of like attraction to a woman or allowing myself to even, I don't use the word play because that sounds bad, but like, uh, just consider the option that it would exist and that it could exist in my world if I chose that. Or if I, to find out that I maybe naturally just, I was, I would, maybe I just was really going to like her. And my parents were like, yeah, go explore that. You need to figure that out if you're going to enter adulthood soon. And uh, so that's what I did. And I went there. It was an amazing time. I did really like her. I was still very much attracted to her in person. And then I left and we stayed dating. I mean, it's it's just kind of one of those things. I don't want to downplay it, but it was like we were dating through text messaging, essentially. Like we FaceTimed a lot, but, and I was very much like attracted to her. And I really, like, I, I loved her for being that age. But what I genuinely think it was, was that because I don't think it was like a silly phase or me experimenting. It was really me looking for love. Like I wanted somebody to like me. I wanted somebody to tell me that I was beautiful. I had never experienced that. Like the guy that I was dating was always a piece of shit. And so to have this girl 
be just a human being giving me this like loving, really kind, patient attention. I appreciated that in just a brand new way. I had just never, I'd never had anybody talk to me like that. And she cared about me and she believed in God, which I had also like my relationship before that he didn't. And although that's not like a number one priority for me, it was just kind of a nice thing because like I do as well. And so for her to always prioritize a relationship with God as well, like I liked that. And I just felt like there was a lot of love there. And then we ended up breaking up because we were 17 and it was kind of like one of those, it was just a high school 17 year old relationship, but we still keep in touch to this day. And I've never been with any other girl, never dated another girl. I have absolutely no interest in dating any other girls. That's why I don't consider myself bisexual. I've never been attracted to one again. I think she just catered to something I really needed at that time. And she taught me that I could be in a healthy relationship. And I mean, although I dated a couple douchebags after that, she at least introduced this idea that I was worth loving, that I could consider myself like a a beautiful person, like a human being worth, not just worthy, worthy is like the word. And she brought a lot of value to my insecurities and things like that. I hope this doesn't sound bad at all. I was 17 at the time. And yeah, like I said, I, I genuinely, I had a lot of love for her. It ended naturally because we were 15 hours away from one another and I went to college and she was younger than I was. And yeah, like I said, we keep in touch. She's a, an acquaintance kind of to this day. We follow each other very loosely. And yeah, lovely experience. But yeah, okay. That's going to be everything. This episode ended up being a little longer than I was anticipating. I hope that you feel like it was valuable. I've been talking a lot about van life and a remote income and all these logistics and coronavirus. So I wanted to do something a little bit more lighthearted and something where you can kind of get to know me a little bit better instead of just van life. So yeah, hopefully this still brought some type of value to you. And I hope that you are, like I said earlier, staying safe and healthy and sane. Um, I hope that you are prioritizing your mental health during this time. And even if, you know, everything's not going perfectly, that is okay. We will all get back on track. I am definitely giving myself a lot looser guidelines in terms of like diet and how much I'm allowing myself to drink wine. And I'm drinking 45 cups of coffee a day because it's delicious and I can. And so yeah, just do the things that make you happy. Move your body if it makes you feel happy. And just sit and lay down in bed all day if that's what's going to make you happy. Yeah, that's pretty much everything. I love you all very much. I already recommended a book, so I'm not going to do that this week, but I love you and I will see you next week. Lee is going to be here next week and we're going to talk all about the breakup and how we feel about it and quarantining together and all of that juicy stuff. So uh, yeah, come back next week and hear us share all about that. Bye guys.